Hello, and welcome to Stories from the Ashes. We'll be your hosts today. I'm Amber, and this is my great friend. Amanda. Amanda. We would like to take a moment to introduce ourselves to you. I am a neurodivergent wife and mother. I am currently homeschooling our five far-from-typical children, and I run Reshelving Alexandria on Facebook, which is a library-building group of passionate book lovers, and we'd love for you to check it out if you are not already a member. And I have a passion for connecting struggling kids to stories that meet them where they are at. I love sharing content considerations as a step to helping parents to determine the right book for the right person at the right time. Random fact about me. Let's see. Oh, yes. My entire life is set to music. I have a soundtrack running in my head at all times, and I listen to songs on repeat to as a form of self-soothing. And you might think, oh, yeah, sure, I listen to a nice song if I like it on repeat every now and then. No, 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 no. I'm talking about for hours and days and weeks and months on end. <laughs> Same song <laughs> over and over and over again. So that's actually been proven very beneficial in my life. Um, In 2020, I had some intensive therapy for some PTSD. And all I had to do was pick out the songs from those time periods in my life and replay them. And I was right back there. And that was very useful to my therapist and being able to get me into those moments to process faster. So I never thought it would come in handy in that way. But it also Reminds me of all the good times and gets me back into um, memories that I think I may have forgotten otherwise. So I really enjoy the, the pleasure of just hearing the same thing over and over again and being calmed by it now. And then the ability to tap into my life story at any point through these individual songs. That is so true. There was a while when you kept playing Is He Worthy by Andrew Peterson And at first I didn't like it, but I heard it over and over and over and over and over at your house for like months. And then finally (laughs) I started liking it and then you stopped playing it. So then I started having to play it in my house because all of a sudden you were just done with it. Oh, yep. It's very much a clear line. I can just move on to the the next season. But I had been listening to that one during some tumultuous months of my life when I was trying to figure out what was next and what what was up and what was down. And it was very centering on some truth that I knew would stand. And I listened to that all through my fifth pregnancy. And then actually on the day I delivered, I listened to it for eight hours straight, which was definitely the longest I've listened to a song on repeat in a very long time. And everybody allowed me to, of course, because you don't argue with the lady who's giving birth in the uh, other room. So at the end of the day, I had the baby and moved into the next season. So changed up the song at that point. That's funny. I'm glad that you grew to love it <laughs> half as much as I did. And <laughs> I did. I still love it. Yeah. Can't argue with truth, you know? It's a great nope. song. Can nope. you tell us a little bit about yourself, Amanda? So I am not neurodivergent, contrary to Amber's testing of me. I didn't test you because I thought you were neurodivergent. I tested you so that we could then look at our different scores and be like, look at that. Those are nothing alike. (laughs) They were nothing alike. (laughs) We're about polar opposites, I think, in a lot of things. (laughs) But 
Anyhow, I'm not neurodivergent, but I do struggle with uh, life not being very black and white because I'm a very black and white thinker, and I struggle with all the gray areas, and so reading helps me with those gray areas come to terms, sometimes unwillingly, but (laughs) helps me come to terms with those. I homeschool my two daughters. I have a hobby farm. We just got a puppy. We're getting goats. It's pretty crazy around our house and lots and lots of reading about how to raise puppies and goats. And I love thinking of Emma as a puppy because she's like a full-size dog for most people. She's not full-size. She's only 40 pounds. Due to her breed, she is the full-size for most. She's bigger than our dog. (laughs) (laughs) I know we have a terrier and you have a <laughs> great Pyrenees, Pyrenees right yes so. yes big old furball she's, she's a adorable. big teddy bear loves to cuddle yeah. yes I love your hobby <laughs> farm too my kids highly enjoy it and I like to live vicariously through you and all of your hard work and efforts that I don't have to raise the piglets but we get to enjoy looking at them <laughs> situations sometimes sometimes I think that's smarter it feels I love it but it's a lot of responsibility caring for as many lives as are on my property so we love it but it's a lot (laughs) that's awesome well we thought we would share with you guys what this podcast is going to be about so as I'm sure you gathered from the name stories from the ashes it's going to be about story, how it forms us, how it's part of our DNA, how it informs us, how it connects us to the bigger story and to each other. We want to provide a platform for not only sharing books, but sharing our stories and hearing your stories. And um, we have a special interest in home library building, as I mentioned, with our connection to reshelving Alexandria. And we see it as a way to collect our favorite stories So we will be coaching and encouraging you in that journey of creation as well in your own homes. And we will be giving you a window into some of the home libraries in our community. And so we hope that you will come back to see those. So broadly, the podcast will be about stories and more specifically stories that are found in books. So Amanda, why don't you tell us how you came to love reading? I came to love reading late. We had good books in my house. I remember my dad trying to read Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. and I was just not having it. And then I'm re- we also had Lord of the Rings in our house. I wasn't having any of it. My poor dad uh, did did finally stop trying to read out loud to me, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But he did he did still really want me to be a reader, and so he would bribe me with video game time and I would be able to play as much as I read for. It's a solid strategy for some kids. (laughs) It worked. It worked. He would let me read anything I wanted to, which was normally pretty twaddly. I would read Nancy Drew, which is fine, but, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they all follow the same kind of plot and it all ends kind of the same and... You know what to expect going into it. Very formulaic. So he would get me whatever books I wanted and I would just read just to get my video game time. And then when I was in middle school, my middle school English teacher just handed out these. Actually, I think she was my geography teacher of all things. Oh, nice. She was my geography teacher. 
I don't know why she did this, but she (laughs) just handed out these like stapled packs of book synopsises of synopses of books that she thought would be worth reading. And so I looked through there. Did she write them herself? I don't know. Yeah. I was just wondering if it was some pack she'd put together herself or if she'd gotten it. Somewhere. I think she put it together herself, but on there was Pride and Prejudice. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I was just getting into like wanting romance type things. And so I picked it up and that was that was it. And then I hit all the Jane Austens and then Brontes. And that was my the beginning of my love of reading. Very so how cool. did you... How did you come to love reading? Did you always love reading? I did always love reading. I was an early reader, fairly self-taught. It just clicked for me and I took off like a horse at the races and I was always reading um, grade levels ahead of myself and very fast. When I was in junior high, my dad was very skeptical that I was actually reading all the books I was getting from the library before I was returning them as I claimed. And I was passing any quiz if he like opened the book and was like, well, what happens here? I always knew the answers. So he got um, these timed reading tests and did them. And we realized I was reading over 900 words a minute with 98% comprehension. So this was just, this was my hyper focus. This was my niche, the thing that I loved and felt most passionate about. And then within that, as an undiagnosed neurodivergent child, I didn't get diagnosed until my 30s. I was just trying to figure out what in the world was going on around me, what people were thinking, why they were behaving the ways they were, what seemed to be these unspoken rules and social customs that came naturally to everyone else, and they didn't have to have them explained to them. And I just read and read and read and read and read because I could do my own personal people watching, right? Like you, if you're reading quality literature, they're telling true stories. They're telling human nature and, sh- and showing it to you. They're not just telling you about it, but they're showing it to you. So I, I liked both. Like I know that there's always um, the concern about authors that, that tell and don't show, right? Where it's just very choppy. But that was actually beneficial to me when an author would just tell me what was happening and tell me what was going on when I was younger. And then I was able to build up to authors that were just showing it and being able to see that, that bigger picture. And I grew up in a, a great reading culture. My grandma always had stacks of books that she was buying from the library reading sales all around her chair and in between stirring food, she'd come and just sit in her chair and she'd have a little, you know, and um, read a couple pages and eat some chocolate and then go back to the kitchen. And so that was, that was her her pattern that I always observed. And then my dad always had a book anywhere he went. If, you know, he was going to go sit at the barbershop and wait for his turn to get a haircut, he was reading his thrillers. And if he was sitting at the park while the kids were playing, he was reading his thrillers. And, um, but then he also had this undying, unmatched love for Jane Austen and all things Austen. And so he raised us with this, this great love of that. And he would, um, he would just come up with these like fun reading challenges where he'd pay you at the end if you read a certain, you know, ridiculous number of pages, which I always did, or if, or he would have books that he would want us to read. And really the only dud I ever remember is him trying to read aloud to us at the dinner table. And my sisters are six, seven, and seven years younger than me. So there's quite a gap. And I was probably 12. So they were a lot younger. And he was trying to read Who Moved My Cheese. 
And I just remember the title because that was the only interesting thing to me about the book. I was like, oh, yeah, who's my cheese? That sounds funny. <laughs> but like, I, I remember nothing about the book. And I just remember him feeling very frustrated that we were so unappreciative of his attempt to read aloud to us. I, that's the only time I really remember him reading aloud to us. But my mom would always read aloud to me. And because I was so much older than my sisters, we would have our alone time after they went to bed. And I remember her reading... Um, Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place and To Kill a Mockingbird and Little Women. And the one book that we started twice and never finished, and I still haven't finished it, was A Connecticut uh, Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Like that was the one book we just seemed to be slogging through. But I just, I loved reading. And then my Aunt Gloris was the queen, the reigning queen of voices for read alouds. I have never met anyone even in like all the audible books that I've listened to, who is half as good as her. We have these, um, there are these little books, uh, early readers that my kids really like that were only ever at our house about Freddie the guinea pig, some like school guinea pig that, you know, the kids get to take home on the weekend or whatever. And so you expect this guinea pig hamster to have this um, higher pitched voice, right? Like they're little squeaky things. She reads Freddie as if he has a pack a day habit. And I can't even, like, <laughs> she's so hoarse by the time she's done, but she is committed to that character. And I can't even, like, go as deep as she does for Freddie. And it's the funniest thing. So she's just, she's amazing with all of her different voices that she does. And and then I was blessed when I was around 16. My mom's best friend, Miss Jeannie, she was the person who introduced me to older books that, you know, moved me out of all the the children's reading that I'd been doing. And she gave me my first copy of Christie and the, um, some of the historical fiction series by Bodie and Brock Teeny. And those just helped move me into a different echelon of the library experience. So that was my, my reading experience growing up. And I just, I've always loved it. So I did lose about 10 years of time with having kids and being tired and not doing much. I think I was reading Harry Potter books on release days and I would buy myself. Um, there's, uh, I like D Henderson books for not having to give it a lot of thought, but still having a pleasant, pleasantly moving plot. And I would buy her book for my, whatever book she published that year. I would buy it at Christmas, but that was pretty much all the reading I did for about a decade. And then, Five years ago, I got my chronic illness under a bit of control and was able to feel again and think again. And I read The Awakening of Miss Prim. And it was like The Awakening of Amber. <laughs> I felt like I just like <laughs> reawakened this complete love of literature and and yeah. thought. And like I could I could think again for the first time in a long time. And so I was just like engaging with like other minds through these books again. And it just reminded me of of how how much passion I have for this and how much I love it. And my, my kids were getting a little bit older and moving out of the read alouds and into their own reading. And it was just really mm -hmm. fun to be able to start sharing all my childhood books, with an appreciative audience in my own home. And then with reshelving Alexandria, finding more people who were like-minded and love books too. Yeah, that's something where I struggle a little bit. I didn't read all the book good books as a child because I was stuck on Nancy Drew. So I'm kind of rediscovering the children's classics. Yeah, you for know myself. what? I was 
I was talking to one of um, my friends from RA who's in Australia, Erin, and she was saying that her mother, who homeschooled them, said that she, the mother, was the best student in the class. And that's what I feel like. I feel like right now, like, I'm learning more than my kids with homeschooling, and you're learning all this stuff with the classics, Mm -hmm. and I feel like we just have a deeper appreciation being in a different stage of our lives, and I just... I've been thinking yep. about that for the last few days. Like, I'm the best student in this class. <laughs> so true. Well, it, it's, you know, it's what Charlotte Mason says. You spread the feast and mm-hmm. they take what they can take and you can take more because yep. you're, yeah, you have the wisdom and knowledge to, to want to glean more. Yeah, it's true. I thought that maybe we could talk about some of our favorite books from last year and then maybe touch on a few books that we're reading right now and call it a day so do you want to sounds good go first with something that you read last year and loved okay well my favorite books from last year was rectangle time (laughs) i love that one this if you like books and you like cats you will love this book this starts off with a uh, cat the main character is the cat and he loves rectangle time because the father and the son get together with a rectangle and it's a hard, sharp, pokey rectangle. And the cat realizes that he is absolutely necessary to the situation to soften things up a bit. And my children love this book because my, my five-year-old can look at it and see books that she loves. Like she'll see, oh, look, mom, there's the snowy day. There's Go dog go. They're reading go dog go. And then as the child grows up, rectangle time changes and the cat is a little kind of flustered by this. Suddenly the child is reading and and then eventually it's just the child and no dad. The, ch- the child's reading books on their own. He's reading things like The Hobbit and my 12-year-old's like, "We just read The Hobbit." So <laughs> so it's fun just to look in the background and see what they're reading and see if you've read it. Connections. <laughs> And then it's it's just told from the cat's point of view. It's just hilarious the way he tries to insert himself and finds new ways to insert himself into rectangle time as as the child gets older and then gets miffed that the child really doesn't want him anymore. Mm-hmm. But it reminds us of our our white cat Gladriel who loves to insert herself and she'll just get in any shape she can just to try and get in between you and your book and make sure that she's part of that too. So if you have cats and you like books, you'll love this book. It's hilarious. It is a great book. I also really appreciated that it's a father and son Mm -hmm. relationship and that the father is the one prioritizing the reading aloud. I just thought that was um, something you don't see modeled very often in the picture books or reading Mm -hmm. aloud specifically. Yep. So what was your favorite? Well, I brought a picture book as well, except I brought it. I mean, I set it on the desk to be ready for this time. And then because it's the favorite of my six-year-old, the book grew feet and walked off and Uh nobody seems to know where it is. So hopefully we'll be able to put it up on the screen here. But um, our favorite picture book from last year was The Rabbit Listen. And it is a book about strong emotions. So the little child builds a block tower and then the block tower gets knocked over and there's this overwhelm of emotions. And so all these different animals come and 
the animals are representing the emotional state of the child and the child is just like overwhelmed by these animals and is like basically just like move along. So there's like the anger response and the frustrated response and the defeated response. And then we get to the point where the rabbit shows up and the rabbit just sits. The rabbit just sits and listens and the little boy is then able to talk to the rabbit about all its different emotions that it had. So we see that the child's talking, but it's it's not words that's being represented in the images and the illustrations as he's, you know, reliving the whole experience. And then the rabbit is able to just, you know, come alongside him as he chooses to rebuild and dreams what this you know, new wonderful tower is going to be. But after we had our house fire, my six-year-old son found this book and I, I honestly don't even know where it came from. I think just some saint gave it to us because it just showed up at the perfect time. And he was just so fixated on this experience and the emotions. And I don't even know how many times all the adults, um, cause we were living with my in-laws for four months after the fire. So I don't know how many times the, the four of us adults like read this book to him over and over and over again, as he was clearly just like processing his own emotions and seeing what, you know, what was acceptable ways and healthy ways to process it. So I, I find it to be, it was um, one of the Dolly Parton Imaginarium books that she sends out with her reading program. And um, we're not part of that program, but I think, I don't know where the book came from. Either way, she thought it was a good book. I agree with her. It's an excellent book. I'm glad to know that it was part of her program and that it got into so many hands of so many little kids because that's such an important conversation to be having you know, little people who are trying to figure, figure their emotions out. So I really, really loved The Rabbit Listened. And then another book that I really liked um, was by Lauren Wolk, and it's called Echo Mountain. And it is set in the Great Depression. And it's a family of five, and they downsize their lives and move to Echo Mountain from the town and so the right after they move the father gets injured and he's in a coma throughout the book so it's a very relational book this is probably I will say this is the first book that I have read since my childhood where I have gotten to the end of it and been like I will be reading this book every year until I die so Echo Mountain is a young girl Ellie and she is processing this whole move. She is a very sensitive person. So if you have a very sensitive child, um, this could be a good book for them to see themselves. She's very in tune to the emotions of the people and the animals around her and very concerned about their emotional states. Her mother and her older sister, not happy to be living on the mountain and not adapting well. She and her little brother and her dad are loving it. So there's, um, relational strife between her and her mom and sister as to the care of her father as he's in the coma. She has very intuitive, natural healing abilities and has things that she wants to try for her dad, whereas her mom and sister are a little more just let it be, see what happens about the situation. Something I really appreciated is there's a lot of medical things going on in the book and there's a note at the end that talks about how the author spent a lot of time researching that and getting outside people's opinions on making sure that she was doing accurate medical things that would have been happening during the great depression with the knowledge that people had then and 
the common practices. So I, um, I liked how this is a book that has women featured in multiple stages of their life. So you have the, the young girl who's 13, you have her mother, you have her older sister, and then you have um, the older woman up on the mountain and they have, they all have very strong storylines. So I feel like you get a, a good representation of their experience going on. And I also appreciated the two views that we get on how to process your grief as you're walking through it. So we have Ellie's mom who is dealing with the fact that she's alone on this mountain, basically with a man, you know, her man may not ever wake up again. And what is she going to do? And then there is another woman, her mother's age, that's a widow. And the way she's dealing with her grief is very harmful to her son and the people who love her. And so we're seeing Ellie's mother walking in strength and courage kind of reminds me of Ma from Little House on the Prairie, how she just faced everything that came with, you know, forward momentum um, versus becoming self-destructive and hurting everything and everyone that you touch. I would give a um, pretty solid content consideration for gore. There are some pretty intense <laughs> medical medical scenes involving not the father, but someone else and uh, a wound that ends up needing to be cleaned out by maggots. And, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not, not true. Like they still use maggots in the hospitals today to clean wounds because it's the most effective way to do it, but that doesn't make it any less intense to read about it. So and Amanda, I, you've read this book too. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really use, I didn't realize that was still a common practice until I was seeing it on goat forums. <laughs> using it on goat forums for goats that have been injured. Ooh. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's not the yeah. gore isn't like it's not gratuitous, but no. it's there. But it's there. Yeah. And and so I I really enjoyed it. I loved how the emotions and the relationships were written and I really liked seeing a, a very sensitive person and the the nature element just so tightly woven in it. It almost reminded me of like Freckles or Girl of the Limberlost by Gene Stratton Porter, how they're just like, you can't separate the the nature from the character lines. Like it's all just completely interwoven. I really love that book too, but I think you would also like Beyond the Bright Sea by Lauren Wolk. I think you might actually like it better if you yeah. give it a chance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's even possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would. I think you would. Yeah. Well, I will give it a try. And I know that you you read a bunch of Lauren Wilkes books last year after I read this one. Yes, I read all of her published ones. Well, I should say I read her three latest ones. I started her first one that was actually written for adults and I didn't finish it. I I actually got rid of it. Not to yeah. goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> um because it had some messaging that could really be harmful. It looked like a YA book and it had some messaging that could be harmful for a the wrong reader. Uh, teenager for the wrong for the wrong person and so I just didn't feel comfortable. Yeah, I I was very surprised after I saw it when I realized it wasn't YA because you're right. The cover definitely screamed YA and would if somebody was thinking, oh, all these other kid books of, you know, middle grade readers and YA books of hers that I've read, 
were all great, they might accidentally pick that one up and yeah, get yeah. So we that they're not probably mature. So if you decide to pick it up, if anyone decides to pick it up after hearing this, just go in knowing knowing that it's it's something that you might want to be an adult for. So if you're if you're getting these books for your kids, just stick to her not first book. All the rest of them so far have been <laughs> yes, all the rest been of for them younger so readers. So, and then Wolf Hollow she's got, is her Newberry winner, right? Yes, and she's the got the, the yeah, sequel. that was fantastic. Uh, that was that was just fantastic, and it also has some hard themes, but is still appropriate for young adults. But they, she's got a sequel coming out That'll that be great. I am on the wait list for. Awesome. Very nice. Well, it's another book that you read last year, Amanda. I read A Place to Hang the Moon. This was hands down my favorite book last year. It is about three children who have recently been orphaned and the adults in their lives cannot take care of them. It's during World War II, during the Blitz in London. And so these adults who maybe are not the best role models for people um, encourage these children to use the the um, the blitz as the opportunity to go out into the country and find a new family and just not tell them that they don't have a home to return to in London they don't have parents to return to in London um, and just try and find a family they can become permanent residents of and so it's it's very good. The children in the book love to read, so you'll hear the titles they're reading and bond with them over that. Uh, there's some hard stuff with uh, the children face uh, hunger, bullying, neglect uh, in, in some of these circumstances, um, suspicion. And so if you have a child that's had some traumatic experiences with those things, it might be a little bit hard for them. But it's a great book. Fantastic. Loved it. I immediately typed in the author's name to find her other books, and it's her first one. So I was disappointed that there aren't more of her books to read. <laughs> but hopefully she'll be publishing more soon because it it was my favorite awesome. of last year. Yeah, that would be great if she is a new new author. Who I know. I love finding new coming. authors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of new it's authors, it's hard to wait. It is hard to wait. It really is. I have Rajani LaRocca's Red, White, and Whole here. I don't know why I keep thinking it's closer. <laughs> and um, this on the front, I, there's a quote that says, truly one of the most heart expanding stories ever. And it really is. I love this book so much. So I first read her her modern Shakespeare books, which were excellently done. It's not easy to take romantic comedies and make them age appropriate for middle schoolers in a retelling. Especially not Shakespeare. Yeah, but she nailed it. So she had Midsummer Mayhem and then Much Ado About Baseball, which is, um, if you have a math lover, they will definitely love Much Ado About Baseball. And if you have a baker, they would really love Midsummer Mayhem. But this one, Red, White, and Whole, is a novel in verse. And it is about a girl whose 
parents uh, immigrated to the United States from India and she was born here. And so she is navigating that dual world, right? Where she, in the evenings and on the weekends, she's living in this Indian community. And then at school all day, she's with her American friends. And her mom is saying things to her like, you know, we don't dress like the Americans. We dress, you know, like Indians because we are Indian. And it's a, it's a struggle for her because while she agrees with her mom that she is Indian, she is also identifying as being American because she was born here. And so she's trying to, she's trying to navigate that hard experience when you're, you know, 13 and around that age of sharing with your parents what's on your heart and the way that you might feel differently from them without offending them because she really respects her parents, which I really appreciated a lot. And so this, this one has some first love, first kiss, um, very chaste situation going on. And then it also deals with some really hard themes of her mother getting leukemia and going through treatments. And that actually, that was amazing because so red blood cells, white blood cells, the whole blood cells, that's where the, the title came from. And the way that she writes about blood, I was, oh, I was reading this to my kids and I was like, there's no way she's able to write this like all by herself unless she's a doctor, because this is like intense. Like, I feel like I'm reading a living science book, listening to her poetically to talk about blood to me. And then I get to the end and I, I find she's a doctor, like I don't know how she has time to do all the things that she does. (laughs) Like who has time to be a doctor and also write all these wonderful books. I just, I I can barely cook three meals a day, you know? Um, But yeah, so she, she's doing that, but she, she was doing a thank you at the end to uh, somebody who specialized in that field that had helped her out. And so it just, I loved um, the, the way that Indian folklore is woven into it and Indian culture. And there's the going back to India during the summers throughout her childhood and being the only granddaughter and reading a whole bunch of Indian mythology while she's there. And so then she's within the book, there's a retelling of the Indian mythology as she is processing her situation and trying to find parallels between her experience and the experience of the girl and the mythological story that she had read when she was back in India. And I just thought it was a really, really great coming of age story. And there's the beauty from ashes, right? So there's the the loss and life and that cycle that we see in reality. So I just, I loved the relationships. I loved the respect and the connectedness of family while also being able to be who you are and be your own person and that you, you don't have to sacrifice one for the other is where, where she comes out on at the end. And so I, I thought it was just beautifully told novel and verse, pretty fast read. I know of at least 15 other people in the reshelving Alexandria group who read it after I had recommended it there and they've all come back to say how much they loved it. So if you have not had a chance to read Red, White, and Whole, I also want to say that the Newberry team got it right because they gave her, um, she won the Newberry honor. What is it called? The 
either way, she got the Newberry that she she deserved. So did you have you had another one, had, Amanda, that yes, you have been trying to get more. me to read. So pitch it again. Happen. Happen. <laughs> this false prince. It was a trilogy. And then Jennifer Nielsen added two more. So there's five books. I read them all last year. Uh, this was fast paced, fun, adventure, intrigue, drama, mystery. It had it all. I loved it. It was fantastic. Uh, definitely not going to get bored at all by it. It's about, it's hard to give, it's hard to give a synopsis without giving anything away. It's about a boy who goes through some mistaken identity. It's set in a medieval world, so there's sword fighting, and in the later books, there's cannon battles, and uh, it's definitely definitely had enough of the interpersonal stuff to mm-hmm. make me content, but so much action, too, that if if you had a child that really wanted the action... It would be great for that, too. The only slight kind of issue I had with it is there's no, in this in this world, uh, there's no real religion. And the main character, whenever something bad happens to him, he says the devils are after him. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? This In this world without, like, a religion, how do you have the devils being, what is that? I don't know what that means, but. Because he never references, like, at least to my memory, he never references a higher being, a god, or anything. So you'll hear, the devils are after me. But it's very clean and fun. There's the third book. There is a kiss. And there's a few others later. But So it's not heavy on, it's not heavy on the romance, but there's some of that. And, and it's just uh, about a boy learning how to live and be responsible and um, who's got to come back for absolutely everything. Yeah. Nice. Good. I know my 14 year old is 15 now. Oh my God. Where are the years going? My 15 year old is planning to read those. So we have, have one on the wait list at the library. So she will enjoy them. I'm sure. I think she'll like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Red, white and whole got a Newberry honor award. That is what I was trying okay. to say before. So <laughs> now that I've gathered my thoughts, good, it good, won good. a well-deserved Newberry Honor Award. So, all right. Well, I think we are running out of time here. So why don't we share a book that we're reading just to give people a, an idea of what we'll be talking about in the future. And then we can wrap it up. I am currently reading this book, Give and Take. And I'm loving it. I have not read the book Wish, but I've loved everything I've read about the book Wish. And so I bought the book Wish. And so that's sitting on my shelf to read. And then the author of Wish said that this was a sweet, sad, funny, and real. Swartz takes us inside a troubled child and makes us fall in love. And I was like, well, if that person that I already know I'm going to like likes it, then I will probably like it. So I checked it out. And I don't know if you can see on the cover, but there's all sorts of like little things that she's been collecting straws and string and a rock and some candies and a hair bow. And so this young girl who is, I don't know, in the 11 to 13 range, she has these boxes under her bed and in her closet where she is secretly saving things 
that remind her of events and things that have happened. So the washed out, empty Chinese food canisters from the last time she and her grandma ordered Chinese food before her grandma passed away and, you know, a sock from the baby that they are fostering and a candy wrapper from this and a rock from the day she found her turtle. And so she's just collecting all of this stuff in an effort to find an ability to hold on to things and to have things that aren't being taken away. So they're, they're fostering a newborn that they, that she's madly in love with just until the newborn's adoption is finalized. And so she knows that this is just for a short time. So she's just, you know, they lost her grandma to dementia. And so that was a, a losing thing that she didn't have any control over. And so um, this, the story so far is very recognizable to me. When my dad passed away, when my eldest was six, she started hoarding and she did not want to get away, get rid of anything that we had owed, owned during the time he was alive. So we had empty Kleenex boxes <laughs> at the foot of her bed because this was the Kleenex box that we had that time that Grandpa Bob came to visit and she just was keeping all this stuff. And I just, I didn't really know what to do, but I just let her, I was just like, I know this is a season. I know that this is her grief. This is her processing. And it lasted about a year. And then she was ready to let go of a lot of stuff and move into a new season. But this is, you know, an older girl in this book, but it's still very recognizable to me. And I know that if it's in a book and if it happened to my kid, it's happened to other kids too. And so I think that there's probably other kids that could really benefit from this book, give and take. And I'm also really appreciating the respectful, kind relationships between the siblings and the family. I seems like that's harder and harder to find. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I just really, really am appreciating um, the fondness of the older sister for her younger brother and for her older brother and that the older brother is patient and includes the younger siblings and there's not not any conflicts so far. I mean obviously there's there's standard sibling conflicts but they're they're handled respectfully and with humility. When her mm-hmm. little brother goes to get a ball that rolled under her bed out, she freaks out because he's coming close to her boxes and she feels out of control and and so this was this was a situation where the author almost tells and shows at the same time because when she goes to apologize to her little brother for snapping at him, she has her apology, which is genuine. But she, but then the author tells us what she had been thinking and feeling when this had happened, and then it ends by saying, "But she didn't even realize it." So it's like you know we're seeing her process and how these things are feeling and how big they are and how this reaction is due to this perception, even though she can't even formulate all of those thoughts and emotions yet, which is, you know, very similar to most 11 to 13 year old girls aren't going to be able to formulate that thought and understand why they're having the reaction that they are. So I'm really appreciating the book so far. I'm, I'm a quarter of the way through it, but it seems very promising. And even just the first quarter, I think would be good to read even if the rest of the book is horrible, <laughs> which, which I doubt, which I doubt it will be. What are you reading, Amanda? Right now I am on a kick of ML Farb's books. Mm-hmm. So I read The Fourth Sister and Heartless Hite and 
Now I'm on The King's Trial. There's two books in the series, and I always get them backwards. The first one's King's Trial, and then it's The King's Shadow. And I don't have the book, copy of the book, because it's on my Kindle, because her books are really affordable on Kindle. I love having the physical copies, but they're so affordable on Kindle that I got I got those. So that one is, it's really good so far. I am enjoying it. The main character has a lot of drive and a lot of responsibility and compassion. It's also a medieval-y world with swords and, and that kind of um, thing and kings and queens. And uh, so it's, it's a good adventure and uh, he's on a journey with, he's on a journey and (laughs) (laughs) I hate giving away things. I don't like giving away things, but (laughs) it's hard to give a review without. So he, he's, he's going to have a lot of responsibility and it's going to be interesting to see him grow into it and how he resolves these situations that he's in. And he's uh, really looking at looking out for those who those who are being taken advantage of and some people who don't appreciate that he's trying to uh, protect them and so it's interesting to see that he persists in um, sometimes it's hard to persist in trying to help people when they're ungrateful and and don't even see the dangers that they're falling into or whatnot. So I admire his persistence so far. Good. Very good. Well, I look forward to hearing your thoughts when you finish it. Well, we want to thank all of you for coming and joining us today. And if you are reading a good book or you have a good book that you think we should read, please go ahead and add it in the comments below. And we would Appreciate it and love it if you would subscribe or follow. And if you are not a member of Reshelving Alexandria on Facebook, we'd love for you to come and join us there if you want to talk about library building and books that are true, good, and beautiful. So we are very glad that you were here with us today and we hope that you come back again. And I think that's what we had. Did you have anything else, Amanda? Covered it all? No, covered it all. All right. At least so far. We'll be back. We have so much more to talk about. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time.